I'm Dr. Max Pemberton, a doctor and Daily Mail columnist, and this is part three of a special three-part podcast for Mail Plus Health, where I speak to a leading authority on migraine and headache, Professor Peter Goadsby, a headache neurologist at King's College London and director of the National Institute for Health Research. Can you have a migraine without a headache? I sometimes wake feeling sick and then I get pins and needles down my left side, which I assume is an aura. And I feel really, really tired, but I don't ever really have a headache. Well, the answer is yes. I don't know how old this person is and that figures into the diagnostic side. You know, if, if you told me you were waking with pins and needles and you were 70 and you were hypertensive and overweight with cholesterol problems, I might think very differently than if you told me that and you were the 40-year-old woman. So let's put it all, you know, its context is important. Certainly it's well recognised um, that migraine aura can occur without um, headache. The first person who described this used to call it late life migraine equivalence until they got to the age of 50 and then they just dropped the late life because they thought that was a bit silly and called it migraine equivalence after that. Um, so it's aura without headache and you can certainly get the other symptoms, the nausea um, and the tiredness, the fatigue is something I was mentioning earlier on. It's part of that what are called premonitory collection of symptomatologies. So it, it makes sense what the person's saying, but you, you'd have to put it in context. Um, so answers yes, but uh, a little bit of history would be helpful. Okay. Um, how much do hormones affect headaches and migraines? I always seem to get a terrible migraine right before my period. Is there anything I can do to prevent it? So just, oh, just certainly, because just to clarify, because you were saying that 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 actually migraines affect for every man that's affected by migraine, three women are affected. That's right. Yes. Isn't it? So, so that would assume to me, to my sort of, you know, relatively ignorant about this, but I would assume that therefore, when you were saying it then levels out after the menopause, so presumably right. hormones are playing a, a big role in this. A huge role in the expression. When you look at children, boys and girls, the ratio is one to one. Females take off when they start to menstruate in terms of the ratio, and it peaks at the age, instead of the age of 40, 40, 45 and then with menopause, after menopause, it takes a deep, um, a deep drop off. So cycling of hormones seems important. We know that in the second and third trimester of pregnancy, um, almost all migraines stop. Eighty-five uh, percent to ninety percent of women will have their migraines stop in the second and third trimester of pregnancy. In fact, there's no more effective migraine preventive than pregnancy. It's not very practical from a regularity perspective. You've got to have some limits, but there it is. Unfortunately, it comes back. Towards the end of breastfeeding, we'll tend to come back. Um, we've also, you know, I've also seen the the experiment. You might say, or maybe the wrong way of putting. It, I don't mean it that way. But the the sort of logical question you might ask me is, well, if you're a male and you then go on female hormone replacement for sex um, change and so on, then I've seen women like that who have bad migraine who never had it before they were on their regular estrogen. So it's That's trans females, yes. trans women. They can also then have an increased risk yes. of propensity to developing migraines. So that yes. really, I mean, that's a really good, clear example then of your kind of evidence for it being. Yeah, and that's why I brought it up because I think it, yeah. it is it, it is a very clear example of what we're saying. And the, the other thing is that for women who have, um, it's also very typical to have the a worsening just prior to the 
um, to bleeding or the, on the first or second day. In fact, the day before is the commonest day. Um, it's probably due to the drop in estrogen that occurs. About 40 years ago, um, there were some, some studies done that showed that if you gave estrogen just beforehand, before the bleeding, you could actually uh, stop that premenstrual worsening, as it were. So there's clear association. Women that have very predictable menstrual migraine will very often do very well by being on an oral contraceptive without taking the break. So taking three, four months at a time where, they, where, where the estrogen level is just stable. Because stability seems, again, it's this sort of ups and down thing. So it's, the, it's not that estrogen is necessarily bad because you have a lot of estrogen in pregnancy, but it, the problem is the cycling. The brain is seeing the ups and downs. And so tri-packing or quad-packing with the pill um, is, a, is another way to, uh, to get around that. It's a very, very um, typical migraine um, problem. There are some ways, uh, simpler things that can be done. You can take treatment, a treatment on the day before the day you, you're going to bleed or the, um, the two days beforehand, the short-term prevention it's called. Very often non-steroidals like naproxen, which you can get from the doctor um, because it's got a longer, longer life, so it's, its utility, can be taken in that period just before the period and actually... Um, improve the migraine very considerably because it's it's predictable when to use it my gp says i'm taking too many triptans and i need to go on preventative migraine medication what is this will it really help and what are the side effects yes as you say i mean if the the gp's probably picked up on using a triptan 10 days or more per month. This is it's actually good then. So it's a good GP. Because good GP, yeah. <laughs> yes. And the GP's statement that you need to go on a preventive, absolutely 100%, right ahead of the game. Um, and, and what will it do? Well, they're right. They're worried that you're going to get, you're going to worsen things as, uh, as time goes on and the triptan will become less effective. So not only do you get more headache, but you can control it less well. This, the GP is doing a huge favour by trying to break that cycle at the earliest possible stage. Will it really help? Very likely it will. What are the side effects? It depends on the preventive. There are a number of choices of preventive, and it's useful to make a diary for yourself that would summarise just on a page what's going on so you can see the number of headache days you have and the um, number of triptan days, and don't undercount the headache days because the more headache you have, actually, the more options there are for treatment. So don't, don't shy away from marking them all down. And then you, the GP and yourself would have a discussion around choices because the choices are the choices, the side effects vary with different choices. So some, you know, there are my, migraine preventives that have a propensity to um, make it harder to exercise. You might want to do, might not want to do that. They're ones that might, you might put on weight. There are ones that might make you a bit sleepy. There are ones where you can get some pins and needles. You might lose weight, for example. There are a range of different side effects, and it's a matter of sort of working out um, which direction you want to take. But the broad direction the GP is advocating is 100% correct. So it sounds like there's quite a lot of options, and that as with lots of things in medicine, it's about maybe there's no kind of right or wrong tablet. It's about sort of finding the one that works best for you and kind yep. of the benefits without too many of the side effects. That's exactly right. It's the you treatment rather than the them treatment. Um, I like to think of it like that. And it, explaining side effects are important. And, and even you know, even if someone's listening who's tried everything under the sun, um, the good news is that there is the sunshine. Is the sun's coming up again? 
and there are new things that are being uh, that, that have uh, that are being available. Nice just made available fremonizumab, um, what's called a calcitonin gene-related peptide. Sorry, it's a mouthful. CGRP monoclonal antibody, pretty fancy um, for the preventive treatment of uh, what's called chronic migraines for so 15 days or more per month. Uh, galcanizumab is coming along. They've just had another meeting about a drug called arenumab. Presumably these things would be stuff that you would get when you're kind of under a, a specialist clinic. This isn't the kind of stuff that yes. you can prescribe, is that right? Yes, no, exactly. Not, the, in the generality of things, what you say is, is correct. The reason I say them is just to say that this is an area where there's a lot of progress is being made in the, in the last you know, couple of years. So for most people who've tried everything, chances are they haven't because everything changed in the last year. Um, so it's, you know, the GP will have a range of things they can do and then the specialist will have another range of things they can do. So people with migraine um, should try not to give up hope because yeah. really a lot of good things are happening. So if you, I suppose the take-home message then is if you've, if you've had a migraine and you've maybe tried to get some help and it's not worked, it's worthwhile, you know, in the past, it's actually worthwhile going back and saying, you know, is there anything new? Oh, what yeah. else can I try? Okay, so that's really positive. It's really important not to give up because things are getting better. Now, I mentioned the Migraine Trust at the start. Their website lists all of these things. They keep up to date with what NICE is doing. Lots is happening. People are realise that this is a highly disabling problem when it when it when it afflicts them and so the there's this will to do better and that's really manifesting uh the final question then is and i suppose this is really i mean this really touches on i suppose everybody's anxiety particularly having really regular headaches or migraines i'm getting near daily headaches and i'm starting to worry i might have something awful like a brain tumor is there anything that you could suggest that I should do. I feel daft saying it to my GP, but it's really starting to worry me. I mean, this is, you know, I think every GP, every most doctors have seen at least one person in their career who's come saying, I'm having really regular headaches. It's bound to be a brain tumour. So can you just kind of once and for all kind of explain like headaches, brain tumours, how do you know the difference? When should someone be worried? Yeah, so firstly to say the, to the person who's got near daily headaches, it might shock them that about 5% of the population have near daily headaches. So 5% is quite a lot. It's a, this is a, it's a very, very common problem, um, you know, relative to, say, something like multiple sclerosis, which you've heard about, but it's many, many, many less, to, less common than that. So daily headache occurs. Most it's daily headache common, is... But it's horrible, but it is common. So, so in itself, Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm not demeaning. I mean, I'm saying it is remarkable that, as you say, you know, medical students get an hour... Um, in uh, at university at best to talk about something that you know will probably come in this week to their practice you know every week so it's it's common um the good news is so to speak that it's rarely brain tumor brain tumors are relatively uncommon and almost invariably brain tumor headache is not disabling it doesn't stop people really doing things what it tends to do is manifest with other things so brain tumour headache tends to manifest with things like weakness or clumsiness, with epilepsy, seizures. It manifests almost invariably with something else going on that really clicks you into it. Almost all disabling headache and certainly almost all really, really bad, painful headache is not brain tumour headache. Now, having said all of that, 
I'm not sitting in this person's shoes. I understand completely. If you've got this thing every day, you want to get it out of your system. An important role for the GP is to explain that to them. They're not, they won't think you're crazy. They'll understand that you're bothered by it. And then they'll do the, the next thing, which is crucial, because the chance that they'll find anything if they scan you depends on whether you have anything on the physical examination. So when they look in your eye with the, with the, uh, with the ophthalmoscope to look behind the eye for signs of pressure, when they look at the eye movements to see that they're normal, um, when they feel your strength and the tone in the muscles and do the reflexes, if all of that's normal, then your chance of having a brain tumour is about one in a thousand, more or less. You're more likely to find something on a brain scan if you go get 100 people off a bus and scan them. You'll get about one or two will have something in their brain scan. Whereas if you take people who've got headache and a normal examination, then it's only about one in a thousand. So telling your GP is a really good idea because it starts you on the process. If they examine you and don't find anything, the chance you've got a problem is really vanishingly small. And also, I suppose the key thing is for this particular person, they're having daily headaches. So that in itself isn't very nice. Needs management, of course. I mean, that, that's your right. The, the, more cons- the greater concern is that, in many ways, is that there are, there are good treatments to yeah. prevent um, headaches. So they need to start the conversation. And no doubt the GP will fill in the history bits, examine you, and then make a sensible decision about whether you need to uh, need investigation or actually you'd be better off getting on a treatment and making some progress straight away. That's all we've got time for today. And I do hope you've enjoyed these episodes with Professor Goadsby. If you want to learn more about migraine, you can look at the Migraine Trust website. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And whilst you're there, please leave us a review. And don't forget to sign up for the Daily Mail Plus briefings at mailplus.co.uk. Thank you.